Escaping the Odds podcast is a movement of freedom in the physical and financial sense. We highlight people who bounce back from prison by switching hustles and a mindset. See, business has always been a part of my DNA. I just went about it the wrong way, which sent me to federal prison for nine years. I'm bringing out dope stories of triumph that's meant to inspire and educate to take you to the next level. And no matter where we come from or come from under, we can set ourselves free and escape the odds. What's up, y'all? Thank y'all for tuning in to Escaping the Odds. I'm your host, Aaron Smith. We got some dope stories for y'all today. Formerly incarcerated men and women who are now entrepreneurs. Let's get it. Hear the stories of men and women switching hustles and escaping the odds through entrepreneurship after prison. Not only will these stories inspire you, but also unlock business tips for financial freedom. What's up, bro? How you doing, man? Hey, how you doing? I, I'm, do, I'm doing good. Hey, hey, for a minute, I thought we had some technical difficulties, man. I know. You know <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm an old man, man. It takes me a while to get in on the new technology. Uh, hey, nah, hey, hey, you and, hey, you and I both, man. You know, I'm, I'm sitting up here like, man, you know, every time I try to do one of these lives, it's always some kind of some kind of technical glitch. So definitely, man, glad, glad, glad you're coming on, bro. You got an extraordinary story, man. Um introduce my my guest is uh ed hennings man the man brother did a little bit over 20 years incarcerated uh, as a youth man 24 years old came out 44 hit the ground running um he does a lot of different things and I, i'm gonna let him kind of get into a lot of stuff that he's doing but uh thank you all for tuning in for to escaping the odds podcast and uh what we do here is an interview or have discussions with the formerly incarcerated who are now successful entrepreneurs just change the narrative what people think of someone who's been incarcerated and just get the stories out there and also drop a whole lot of business tips and um, the whole nine. So we're going to get into all that. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Man, I'm okay, man. Just getting in off the grind, man. I had to make it in time to join you, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely, man. So let's let's get into a little bit what, what you got going on right now. But then we'll get into your backstory as well to kind of take the people back 20 plus years. Okay, uh, what I got going on now, man, I just got in out the barbershop. I own a barbershop and a beauty salon. Um, I have a trucking business as well, so I had to take care of some things with the trucks. Okay. And, and I, I had to come on in after that, man. It took a lot out of me today. Yeah, no, definitely, man. And so going back a little bit in time, man, can we talk about that whole experience you, you did a little bit over 20 years incarcerated as a young man? And to come home and do the things you're doing right now is extraordinary. You know, you and I both know a lot of times it's kind of hard for people to get on their feet once they come home, especially when they spent an extended amount of time, such as you and I. And so um, let's get into that, man. What what got you into the criminal justice system and the whole, and just kind of breaking down the story of what happened? Okay. Um, me growing up in the urban community, um, as we spoke about uh, many other times, it's just about the options that's available to you. Um, you can right. be a good student and you can have, you know, the grades, but also along with the, the, the academics, you have the options of other things. And, and in my case, I had an option to take the streets. I had an option to uh, make some fast money. So me being a good student lasted only for so long. And once I turned 18, that option of the streets became more of an option for me because right. um, the, the, the academics was a long term goal. The streets gave me instant gratification. 
exactly. And, and a lot of times, that's what most of the times that's what that's what we're looking for, man. So that that's it's easy to gravitate towards that. And like uh, we talked about before, our stories are kind of like similar to the same, you know, pretty much kind of what you feed the most is what's going to grow. And uh, yeah. it sounds like you and I both, we fed the street side of things where we could have been doing some other stuff, more productive. But nevertheless, we learned from everything and we wouldn't be where we are right now if we didn't have those experiences that we went through. So uh, what, what, where are you actually from? Uh, I'm here. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, man. Uh, I'm about, okay. about 90 miles up the road from you. Yeah, no, definitely. A hop, skip, and a jump, man. Definitely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, so um, when you – okay, so you, you got incarcerated. You was 24 years old. Uh, you went in for, for a homicide. And that was, your first, that was your first offense. So to get locked up for something like that, in your mind, when you've never been locked up before, two years is a long time, right? No doubt. No doubt. And two days. For, two days. Yeah, two days. <laughs> that two days alone is too long, right? And so um, – to kind of to kind of take us back through that whole experience, man, just kind of knowing that you was facing a potential life sentence or at least a lifetime, because twenty years is it, that that's a lifetime, you know. And so uh, let's let, let's kind of go through that night, man. Like what happened in that situation, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's get into that. Um, I was I was home, man. I had just came in, you know, had made some plans to hang out with a, a friend or two of mine, man. Later on that night, and my uncle showed up at my grandma's house, and you know how we do in the neighborhood. I done gave my little cousin twenty dollars, told her to iron my pants, right. my shirt. You know, I'm gonna go in here and take a bath and get ready to hang out, man. And of course. He was in there ironing my clothes, man, and my uncle pop up before I can get in the tub. It was like, man, it just jumped me, man. You know, uh, let's go out here and see what's going on. So me, you know, I'm always, you know, the go to guy in these situations, the right. aid and assistance. Yeah. So, you know, this was routine behavior you know, in my community and with me and my life. So no I mean, second guessing on it? No, it wasn't, it wasn't even a second thought. Like, hey, you know, right. it's not going to get crazy, but, you know, right. I, I don't squash these type of petty beefs all the time. Yeah. So this particular one, I, I, I walked around the corner, me and my uncle, and I asked the young guys that was out there, you know, what was the problem? You know, what was going on? You know, my uncle got kind of hostile, and the guys out there started to get kind of riled up. You know, the rah-rah and the emotions started to kick in. Right. So I tried to defuse the, the whole incident. And, you know, one of the guys went after my uncle. And at that moment, you know, my instincts kicked in. And I pushed my uncle out the way. I pulled out a gun I was carrying, and I started shooting. Right. Um, I shot twice. Okay. Um, uh, he got hit twice. I, although I didn't know he was hit twice, everybody took off running. Yeah. So in my mind, nobody got hit. So later on that night, um, the police showed up to pick me up and said that, you know, he had, well, they didn't tell me right away that he had passed. They just kept asking me, why did I do it? Why did I do it? Right. And uh, when I got to the county jail that night, they interrogated me and asked me what happened. I said, the man went after my uncle. And, you know, I I, I thought he was a threat to my uncle's livelihood. And, you know, and I, I, I had to do what I felt at that time, what I right. needed to do. Um, and next thing you know, they slid a paper under my cell door. And it said first degree intentional homicide, mandatory life sentence. Wow. All right, stop right there, man. You get a paper up on the day, you got the DC to tell you what's going on. They give you a sheet of paper. You got it. And you and you you never been in the system before. So to see something like that, man, what was those emotions like? To see, like, I know your stomach dropped. You probably, man, I, I can only imagine, right? A mandatory life sentence. That means you never coming home. So right. at 24 years old, 
first time ever being incarcerated. Like, what what was that psyche like? Man, um, I was already feeling so bad just knowing now I'm I'm going downtown. I'm going to this jail. You know, somebody got shot. You know, I'm already, I'm putting two and two together. Yeah, he yeah. got hit. Somebody yeah. got shot. But the last thing on my mind was death. Yeah. You know, um, I had seen the, 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 the police um, lights and all of that stuff outside and all of those things. But never did I think of death. Right. And then when they slid that paper under my door, um, I, I don't know if anybody can relate to um, a, a, a paralysis or anything, but yeah. I was, everything was just froze. Yeah, no, definitely. It was froze. It was, it was, I threw in the towel. Yeah. I threw in the towel. It was over for me. I, I was never coming home again. You know, yeah. I, all the life in me was gone. I, I didn't know what to, I didn't know how to respond to that. So, so, so how did you, how did you bounce back from that, from that feeling of, of defeat, hopelessness? And this your this your first day of the rest of your life potentially, right? Like, so what kind of got you back on track? Like, man, you know what? I gotta fight this body. You know what I mean? It wasn't I wasn't trying to kill a man. I'm trying to get some kind of life back. So, so what happened with that? So, um, the next day, you know, my mom came and seen me and asked me what happened. She's like, "What happened?" So, um, mind you, previously she already had been to the scene and asking the guys out there what happened. Yeah. So this is my mom. So my mom, she shows up and she now she asking me what happened. Yeah. So I'm telling her, you know, what happened from my viewpoint. You know, the guy went after my uncle, which was her baby brother, and right. I and I and I had to do what I felt what I needed to do was defend him. Yeah. But I said, but mom, at that time I didn't want to explain it to her. I was just like, Ma, there's no need to talk about it. It's over for me. It's over for me. Yeah. You know, she mom, so she said, Boy, tell me what happened. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I told her what happened and she said, We're gonna fight. We don't fight this. It's not over for you. We don't fight. And I never been to prison. I never been in that situation. So I didn't know how we was gonna fight. Yeah. What I was fighting. But but mama said we don't fight. Right. So mom mama said we definitely we we gotta fight. We gotta throw the gloves on. No doubt. When mama said we gonna fight, I, I began yeah. to start trying to find ways exactly find ways to fight this thing. I yeah. didn't know what I was doing, but I went to asking questions. Exactly. And so what were some of those questions you asked? Like how how did you find maneuver your way through this? Through this murder situation um i'm sitting in the jail you know and they have they have a, a limited selection of law books of course so i start looking up the crime that i was charged with i start to look at you know uh, lesser included offenses that i could have been or should have been charged with now now, now what is things, now, so. now what now what is that i understand what that is but the audience may not be familiar with that term less included offense offense so 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 what is that okay a lesser included offense is um an offense, say if you charged with armed robbery or homicide, there's offenses that you could be charged with. Say if you charged with what I was charged with, first degree intentional homicide. Right. There's lesser offenses of second degree intentional. There's manslaughter okay. and there's self defense laws. Okay. So I began to look at those and I I began to take my my crime and I began to try to fit it into what what lesser offense or what crime that I thought fit best. Right. Okay. And and so far with the state's attorney, were they were they trying to come with any kind of kind of deals? You cop out, maybe cop out, do twenty, do ten off of that. Was yeah. there any kind of anything like that coming at you? Hey, that's the funny thing about it, man. With me being a first time offender, they didn't offer me a plea. They didn't offer me anything. They was coming for a life sentence. Right. And so, so what ultimately happened, man? In the case, like how much time did you end up getting? Yeah, I went to trial, man. Um, I, I had 12 jurors, man, and uh, 
they found me guilty of a lesser offense, a reckless homicide. Okay. They said I had a right to defend my uncle, but I kind of overdid it. Okay. But you, so, hey, that was that, that was a blessing though, right? Because you sitting uh, in trial and you you knowing if you blow trial, it's a life sentence. It's a life or, sentence. Or, 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 or did you know that the jury can potentially find a, find you guilty of a lesser charge? Were you aware I, of that? I didn't know this until um, giving out uh, jury instructions. Okay. At the end of my trial, they gave the instructions to the jury to deliberate and come back with whatever charge they wanted from first-degree intentional homicide all the, ground, all the way down to first-degree reckless. Okay. So with that being said, my eyes popped open, and I said, wow, man, um, anything less than a life sentence, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with it. Yeah. You know, I, I paced in that waiting room for for a couple hours, maybe not. I don't, it felt like a couple hours or a couple days. Right. Yeah. So about 45 minutes, man. Right. Yeah. No, definitely. So yeah. so so how much time they end up hitting you with? Um, I got found guilty of first degree reckless homicide and I got sentenced to a maximum sentence of 40 years. OK. And all 40 years, how much how much do they want you to do after that? Um, well, right now they have truth and sentencing, but fortunately when I got sentenced, they had parole in a quarter of your time, which was 10 years. Okay. So I seen parole for the first time in 10 years. Okay. And this was the state of Wisconsin, right? This in the state of Wisconsin. Yes, sir. Okay. And so what you end up doing 20. So I guess every time you went to the board, they kind of just told you to come back in two years and kind of kept flopping you in a sense. Okay. Exactly. They kept telling me, um, I didn't serve enough time. Um, I was a model. I was a model inmate in there, man. Um, I, I didn't get in this a lot of trouble. I, I took classes and programs, and when it was time yeah. for me to see the board, I kind of presented the best right. resume that I could. No, definitely, definitely, man. I, and I already know we um we kind of talked about that whole experience being incarcerated, some of the classes and programs that you were taking. Um, so that pretty much prepared you to come on the outside because I know you took like a cosmetology programming. Uh, what were some of the other things you took that kind of really helped you change your mindset so when you knew when you was coming home, I'm going to have to switch hustles and do something else? Um, some, of the, some of the most important things was, you know, getting some skills. Right. Um, I, got, I got my barber cosmetology license. I took auto detailing. I took culinary class. But more importantly, man, um, I just had a mindset shift. Yeah, no doubt. That, that, was, that, was, that was the biggest um, and most important thing that I did and anybody can do is have a mindset shift, man. It was things that my granddad tried to teach me growing up, and I knew it was law. Yeah. I knew these things were tried and true. But, you know, man, hey, that's old school. That's not going to work in this day and time. You know, you got to get with the times. And, you know, I'm thinking what my granddad is telling me is, you know, outdated. Right. But when I got to prison, man, I started to replay a lot of these things that he tried to teach me growing up, yeah. so he played them in my mind. Right. And I said, man, Pops always told me this. He always told me this type of thing was going to happen, man, if I didn't listen. So yeah. when I started to replay those things, I said, I'm going to start using these things. Right. And I started using those principles, those values, and that knowledge that he was giving me, and I seen success right in prison. Okay. And so what did that, what did that success look like while you were in prison? Because most people probably can't find you say success in prison, those two words don't go together. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, 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 what did that look like in there for you? Okay, when I, well, I actually, like I said, when I took the cosmetology program, yeah, and I went in there, I had the mindset that my granddad tried to instill in me, and right. I walked 
I walked them years down through that program and knocked it out. I, yeah. Right after that was over with, I started the culinary, knocked it out. Right after that, I started auto detailing. So my successes were mounting up. Yeah. You know, then I would play basketball in the gym. And it wasn't just totally about sports. It was about the mindset shift that I had that allowed me to even excel in a gym. Okay, got you. So, so for you, the bigger picture, it was always about the bigger picture of things. No doubt. No okay. doubt. Um, yeah, that, 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 the mindset is everything, man. You know, I don't think Michael Jordan would have been as great as he was without that, that warrior mindset that he had. Right. No, definitely, man. I, I say the same thing with Kobe Bryant, too. Um, yes, sir. Get, getting sentenced to a lot of that, that time like that, uh, most people, I won't say most people, but some people, they just won't be able to handle it, right? Even, even though they're giving you 40 years, knowing that you could potentially come home in 10 years, I've seen people, they try to, they really don't do anything in the beginning of bit. Then at the end, they want to kind of start to try to do things to kind of better themselves, right? But we know, I mean, of course, it, it, you can make a change at the end, right? Better late than never, right? However, though, um, it's always good. Like for me, when I, I know when I first went to the joint, I knew what I wanted to do when I when I was gonna leave. Right, I knew I had to change my like how you talking about your mental, uh, f physically, emotionally, uh, e e even socially. Man, I was in federal prison, so I had the opportunity to um, sit down and, and talk to men from all over the country, all walks of life, rich, poor, whatever. Right, it was every, every class in there, so it allowed for me to kind of build up my social capital too. Um, so with you, did you find that the same kind of things like in a state prison where you were able to find like-minded men that were on the same page as you doing that situation? Um, I think it, I think the ratio is about equal to it is in the free world. Um, okay. There's not many people out here that's, you know, trying to um, have that mental like you just stated. Um, so it's even less in there. So it's a couple guys you're going to meet and they're going to even – you know, do it for a week or two, or yeah. maybe a month or a year or two. But when you're talking about 20 years, man, man. You know, all it takes is one thing to trigger. Right. You know what I'm saying? So what I did was my mindset shift was not predicated upon how much time I had, when right. I was going home, and all of those things. I did all of this because this is the person that I wanted to become. Exactly. No where I was at. Right. And even if I wasn't ever coming home, this is the person I wanted to be. Exactly. So it was it was it That's was a whole what it has it, to be about. It can't it, be just to get out. Right. Because at the end of the day, we know that's just in the center of it. Then you can go back to the same kind of lifestyle you had before. So it was a it was a lifestyle shift for you. Everything right. changed about your whole being physically, mentally, spiritually, everything. The way you walked, the way you talked, the way you carried yourself was different. And I'm sure that right. a lot of people I just didn't want to be that person no more, exactly. Exactly. So I'm also I'm assuming that a lot of people they carried you a certain kind of way. You know what I mean? Because you was probably an anomaly in there. Because as you just stated, there's not a lot of people that's moving like that behind those walls, right? Um, I, I think more so than what people on the outside think, but it could be more. And so I know the respect level that they gave you too because they seen how you're moving. Young dude got a boatload of time. You could be doing all kind of other stuff, but it says you're focusing on your outdate in a sense of what you're going to do when you leave. So definitely, that's what's up, man. Yes, sir. Yes, That's sir. what's up. Exactly. And, and so when you um when you came home, matter of fact, before you came home, did you knew that you was going to get into all the businesses that you wanted to get into? Because as we both know, 
when you inside, you make a whole lot of business plan. I know I had a million of them, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had a million of them, man, you know. And so you just kind of really just training your training your brain, just thinking outside the box. And for me, I got back to the um to the essence of myself while I was in prison. Like yeah. I, like we talked about before, like I started to dream again when I was locked up. You know what I mean? Because on the outside, you so distracted. We fed more to BS than we did to positivity. And so we get, we got, we, we already good dudes. You know what I mean? So we just got in a situation. And once we got in that situation, we were like, okay, the light bulb started coming on. And you began to kind of like start wishing and dreaming again. And, and that creative juices just got the flowing. And so the barbershop, you got this, you got the salon going right now. Your author, your motivational speaker, man. You, um, man, what else? You got the truck, you got the beer, organic beer oil. Did no you doubt. see? Did you see any of this? I mean, I I know you wanted to be successful, right? You had mm -hmm. that in mind already, right? But did you mm -hmm. already know that? Okay, I'm gonna open up me a salon because you took the cosmetology. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm open me up a salon. I'm I'm gonna create this beer oil. Like, did you have any of that kind of stuff in mind? Um, absolutely not, man. You know, um, with 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 being in prison, you know, you got to be realistic, man. You got yeah. All right, I want to open up this barbershop and beauty salon. So being realistic, I said, you know, I'm gonna give myself five years after I'm released to open up this, open up my first business. Okay. Five years. Hopefully by 10, I'll be ready to buy me a home. Right. You know, those type of things, yeah. man. You took so, the long route, huh? That's right. That's right. right. So I'm coming into it playing the long game. I'm being realistic. Yeah. Like, okay. I'm not gonna come home after doing those 20 years. It's gonna take me about five years to get my first business. So I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for that. Right. And man, you know, I just came home and I just, with my five-year plan, and I'm working it, but you know, the blessings start coming, you start working hard, and before you know it, you look up and you say, man, you know what? I can do this a lot quicker than I thought I could. Exactly, yeah. You know, as you start grinding, and you yep. putting in work every day, and you stacking it, now you're like, hey, I can do this a lot quicker. I thought it right. was going to take me five, Yeah. I'm in position now to make a move, you know, but it didn't start out like right. that, though. It was just materializing as I kept going. And it materialized exactly. you know, I, quicker than I thought. I tell people all the time, man, I had to learn this myself, though. Like, once you get started and that momentum start kicking in, like, doors will just start opening up. People start checking you out, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. and, and coming to you with different opportunities, situations, it's like, it's like a compounding effect, man, like, one thing leads to the next and to the next and to the next. Then before you know it, you like you doing things that you really ain't even planned for. You know That's what I'm right. saying? Because it's, it's never going to happen like how you exactly plan. I mean, that could be for good and for bad. Right. You can right. you can you can blow extraordinary and just it just take off. And you like, man, I didn't even see this coming like that. Right. For exactly. me, like I thought this podcast back in 2015, I came home and like beginning of 2019. And so I'm like, man, okay, I'm gonna do a podcast, but that wasn't the first thing on my list. As I stated, man, I had a million business plans, you know what I'm saying? But I knew I was coming home. I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna develop something else. So I, I, I tried developing a company or whatever. It didn't work or whatever, right? I almost got discouraged. I'm gonna keep it one, I almost got discouraged, but I had a mentor that kind of gave you some words and you know, he, 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 he made me kind of, kind of, kind of shape up, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, I'm gonna go ahead and do that. I'm gonna go ahead and do this podcast. But I kept procrastinating. So for everybody that's listening and watching, y'all got these ideas, you know what I mean? You like, and a lot of times we try to talk ourselves out of the situation. Like, well, okay, well, I ain't got this. 
for me, I was like, man, you know, I don't know nothing about no technology podcast, but I read about them and I know I wanted to do it. And so I kept coming up with all these excuses, man. And me being a man of faith, like a place where I was going to, um, kind of like a work, not work release center, almost like a, um, like a shared office space. Mm-hmm. The guy, the owner came to me, he's like, man, you know, I'm about to start a podcast studio. I'm like, oh, wow. It wasn't no more excuses for me. You know what I mean? Because that was one of my excuses. But I, I, I share that story just to kind of illustrate how, like, once you get started, the doors going to just start opening up for you. And then before you know it, one thing led to another. And then here I am, you know what I'm saying? And for me, the podcast is just like a, it's a low-hanging fruit to do other things in the media world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, um, okay, so so the salon, you started, you started the salon. And also, uh, what really interests me, though, bro, is the uh the beer the beer oil man okay okay the, yes the organic the organic beer oil man like you you had an interesting take on that right because a lot of times you know we kind of come up with concoctions in the kitchen right and right create right. whatever we doing whether it's a a special recipe for a cake and all that kind of stuff and and, and we think we chemists you know what I'm saying we want right. to we want to hide the secret <laughs> sauce you know what I'm saying the whole nine and you know what I'm saying we want to go get a pack we want to do all this right but you took a you took a different route. And as, a, as it relates to white labeling. And so mm-hmm. I want you to uh, kind of break that down and how you actually did it with the beer oil. So for somebody that's listening, they got an idea. They don't need to try to be a chemist. You know what I'm saying? They got companies out there that kind of create the situation for you and package it up. So I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about that. Okay. Um, yeah. Just from, okay, first of all, sitting in, the, um, sitting in the prison cell, man, we watch the TV and I watch a lot of Shark Tank when I was in there. Oh, man, you and I both. So, so, so those sharks on Shark Tank talk a lot of business. And a lot of guys come on there and they have a plan for their business and they have a great product. But a lot of the sharks say, I'll buy in, but only if you outsource some of your um, manufacturing. Only if you right. bring in another person to handle this or handle that portion because it's going to save you time and it's going to save you money by delegating some of these responsibilities and some of these other things to other people. Because if you try to do it all yourself, you're setting yourself up for failure. So when exactly. I came home, I took a couple business classes as well, seminars and conferences around America and Miami and Chicago and in Michigan. And some of the same things were being mentioned at these business conferences. Like you got to learn to delegate. Yeah. You got to learn to free up your time. You got to go from um, a worker to 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 an entrepreneur yeah. and from an entrepreneur to a CEO. Yeah. Because essentially what a business owner and a small business owner and what an entrepreneur is, is somebody that's still working. Yeah, somebody yeah. Somebody still, that's still showing up every day exactly. at a job. But a CEO has right. self-employed. up. You know, he ain't trading time for money. Um, I knew going into business after I learned these things going forward, I said, you know what? I'm trying to drive a truck. I'm trying to cut hair. I'm trying to do all of these things, but I'm only one person. So now I have to start learning how to delegate. So when I came to the beer oil and it was time for me to dive into this, this industry of male grooming products, which is a fast growing industry right now, I said, you know what? I can't mix the oils. I can't market the oils. I can't CEO the oils. I have I can't uh, be the accountant in the oils. Right. What I have to do is find me a manufacturer that can put these oils together like I want them. And that'll free me up from having to try to be a chemist because right. my cosmetology background 
has already gave me the knowledge of what it what's good for your skin and for your hair. Okay. So when I look for a manufacturer, I look for somebody that was going to give me the oil with the same with the oils that I knew that was going to be good for us. Okay. So now that they they do the packaging for you too, or you had to find someone else to do that? No, I I, I was lucky enough to find somebody that had the whole package and said, okay. "How do you want your packaging as well?" And I was like, "Oh, you do that too." And from there, you know, it was a match made in heaven, man. We've been rocking ever since. Yeah. So so how much time you think you would have saved doing and money doing that? Would it, you think it would have been cheaper to kind of go the other route, kind of mix it up in your kitchen or find the chemist yourself? I'm gonna tell you like this. I got firsthand knowledge. I got a young lady that works in the shop with me. Okay. And, uh, she, me and her, we've been rocking for a long time, man. Just on the strength of selling hair, um, uh, doing things inside of the shop with her oils. She started the oils with her own oils for the women and their edges. Okay. So that was her thing, but she was mixing it up herself, ordering packaging and all of that. So I seen how much work and how much yeah. time she had to put in just to get her oils off the ground. Right. So once I started to do beer oil, I knew running the trucking business, running the barbershop, selling my book, speaking, I'm not going to have time to do all that what you're doing. So right. I knew already, hey, let's find, let's find. And she even suggested, you need to find you a manufacturer because you ain't going to have time and energy to do all of this. And there you go. Okay. You found one like in two days and it was on. Wow. So, so what did you do? Go on the site like Alibaba or Fiverr, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it. it's so many of them, man. You can go yeah. on Alibaba, Fiverr. Um, you could just Google it, and all okay. these manufacturers will come up. But you have to know what you're looking for because you can get sold anything from anybody. But you gotta right. know what you look. You gotta have some knowledge of what you're getting. Hey, you said something about the difference between um, like a a small business owner and, a, and an entrepreneur and a CEO. Yeah. I read a book and I suggest this book to anybody who's, who's listening uh, and watching. It's called uh, The Cash Flow Quadrant. You remember reading that book? No doubt. No doubt. I definitely know. Robert yeah. Kiyosaki. Yeah, Robert Kiyosaki. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Like, this dude has amazing books. And hold, the whole premise of the book was there's like four quadrants, right? You got the employee, you got the self-employed, you got the business owner, you got the investor, right? As you stated earlier, the self-employed, a lot of times we have our own business, like the mom and pop businesses and stuff like that. Right. Uh, and the way he put it is like you're a glorified worker, right? That's because exactly what you, 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 you still, you still got to put in all these hours, right? Like the business right. doesn't move if you're not in there, right? right? You know what I mean? So he, in a book, he teach, talks about like creating systems where you can be a business owner and, and delegate, as we talked about. And but I, I think one of the things that um entrepreneurs that, that start off, we kind of want to do everything, you know what I mean? Because we got this trust factor, it's our baby, you know what I'm saying? Like we don't want nobody else to babysit our child. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that and that baby is that is our business, you know what I mean? But that's one thing I've learned as well, man, just to be able to delegate and to trust other people's expertise. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're good at that. I'm going to let you go ahead and do that until you show me otherwise. You know what I mean? And so that, that, that saves us time, energy, resources, the whole nine to kind of to do what we're most effective at. And we could be more efficient. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I highly suggest, man, anybody who's watching, man, to, to read that book and a lot of his books, too, on top of that. And so you also got the trucking business, too, though, right? Yes, sir. Now, how, how, did, you, how did you stumble across that? Because that, that's a 
that's one industry. I work in that industry full time. You know what I mean? And um, as far as being a, a, a broker, freight, freight broker, and one thing I know about it, that freight is always moving. It may slow down a little bit, but for the most part, things are always being shipped. And, and so was that one of the things that enticed you to get into this industry? Uh, most definitely. Um, the thing about it was, was you know, the barbershop and the beauty salon is, is, is the mecca in the urban community, man. The barbershop is where a lot of conversations are had, and you can learn a lot inside of a beauty salon or a barbershop. Even if it ain't nothing but gossip, no you're going to learn something. Right. So, um, one of right. the guys, one of, the, one of my clients, man, he came in to get a cut. And he was telling me about a truck he had bought. And I was like, man, what kind of work you do? He's like, man, I drive my truck at night, man. I pick up for Amazon and I drop off. I said, how much money you make? He started telling me the numbers he was making. And I said, oh, man, you think I can get into that? What was those like, numbers? Yeah, man, it ain't nothing to it. So, man, by the time he came back for his next haircut, man, I had bought my truck and had it sitting out in front of the barbershop waiting on him. Like, hey, man, you see that right. truck out there? That's mine, man. Tell me a little bit more about this game. Right. <laughs> right. So, so you bought, so you, so you, you, you bought the truck without knowing nothing about the game, but you knew that it was, it, it was going to be lucrative or it was going to be, it was going to be worth buying and putting this investment in. Hey, listen, I had never drove a truck. That being right. the day in my life, man. Right. I went and picked that truck up, and the man said, you want me to drive it back? I said, no, I'm going to drive it back, man. And I drove right. him up all the way home, man. <laughs> and that was my first right. time ever, man. So I, I just was all in, man. I, I, that's the way I go about business, man. I go, right. I go with no fear. Hey, so so what, what was those numbers looking like, man, that kind of that really enticed <laughs> you to kind of jump, jump down in it? Man, uh. I, I know what type of money I was making cutting hair, man. And I was cutting hair all day long. So when I was able to right. say, you know what, man, I can get one truck and double that. So, so okay. I, I, start, I started hearing the numbers and I was like, yeah. man, you know what, man? I'm making about a couple hundred dollars a day cutting hair. Right. I can make 500 in this truck. That's just one truck, though. Yeah, that's just one truck. Okay. So, you know, if I can make 500 with one truck, and man, I started driving it, and it was even better than that, man. And then, and, and that was a day, right? You saying on the yeah, day, right? Yeah, that was in a day. Yeah, that was in yeah. a day. Yeah, hey, and numbers, day, hey, them numbers started looking real good when you when you get to putting the multiples on. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that's right. And that, and that multiplying by twenty and thirty, yeah. and it, it, it started looking real nice. <laughs> right. So now I got five trucks, man, and I'm like, right, man, okay, let me not yeah. find manpower. So you know, it's yeah. always. It's always an issue when it comes to business. You just gotta, you know, keep your keep your boots laced up tight, man, and keep grinding. Yeah. Hey, you know one thing that I I didn't know about as I as I looked at the um, because I work in the trucking industry, but I deal with like fifty three footers, right? But what I didn't know about the twenty six footer, that's those big box trucks, the ones that you have, right? That you don't need a driver's, you don't need a CDL for that or a class. You just have a regular driver's like so that that kind of opens up your pool of talent to hire. You know, like, even if you don't have your own, even if you don't have your own CDL, you know, you can hop in a, you can hop in your truck. If your driver ain't acting right, you don't feel like driving, whatever situation may be, you know, there's an opportunity for you to get in there and still keep your, keep your truck making money. Without a doubt, man. Um, that's, and that was the main thing. I got in to trucking, trying to do what my client was telling me he was doing. And I yeah. ended up going a whole nother route. You know, right. I got in and, 
the furniture deliveries came where it's two guys to a truck. Okay. Delivering the furniture for each company. And I didn't even think about that till I looked on the site and seen them was those were available. And I got a felony on my record. So it wasn't easy for me to even get a contract because of the F on my report card. Okay. So with that being said, you know, I had to go the route that uh that a lot of people don't want to go. And that's yeah. persistence. You know, I and, got and, told no a lot. I just didn't accept it. So, so how, so how did you find those contracts with like the, whether it's the moving, the moving company, or using it as a moving truck, or as actually hauling freight from state to state? Like, how, how, how did you find those those loads? Okay, I went on a site called Indeed. Indeed is okay. a site, and I put in independent contractor. Okay. And once I put that in, I seen all of these um, companies. They were looking for people that owned their own truck, had their own DOT and MC number, and their insurance. So once okay. I had all of that taken care of, I started to send out my resume to these companies. And a couple called me and said, come in, and we got to run this and run that. And one gave me a shot. Okay. One company gave me a shot, and I'm still you know, working with that company as well as others. But that company right there, we have been rocking for the last two and a half years in this business. And yeah. man, it's um, it's like I said, um, some companies. As my truck and fleet continues to grow, I try to get in with them, and and, and they say, "No, nah, you got a felony." Then I call them back a week later and say, "Hey, I still would like to work with you." They say, yeah. "No, nah, you got a felony." I call them back another week later. Hey, I still would like to work for you. They say, "No." Then I call them back another week later, and they say, "Okay, we gonna give you a shot." Okay, yeah, persistence, right? As you I talk about, that, I just don't take no that easy. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, wow, bro, man, you got you definitely got a, You got a whole lot going on. There's one thing you mentioned in there that I want wanted you to touch on is the DOT and the MC number. That's that's really important for the for the listeners to understand that. And it's basically your own authority. But I'm gonna let you get into that and uh, kind of talk about like how what was that process like and the cost behind it. Okay. So the thing about a truck is a lot of people, even myself, I thought that I could just buy a truck and, and take off. But no, yeah. you have to have a, a Department of Transportation number and an mm -hmm. MC number is your motor carrier number. These numbers is how you identify your fleet, your company. Your company, if you get pulled over by a state trooper, they identify your company by these two numbers. So if you're in state and you're not going out of state, you could just use the DOT. But if you're going outside of the state that you're in, then you have to have the DOT and the MC number, okay. which allows you to carry freight over state lines or even in your state, interstate is what they call it. Okay. So you have to pay the money to get that, which is not a lot of money, but there's some companies that'll do the work for you and it'll cost you a little more. Where, where your main expense comes into play is your insurance. Commercial truck insurance is a little expensive. So it might cost you anywhere from three to $5,000 a month for your insurance. And that's just for one truck, depending on your driving record and depending on who you're going to have driving down. So if your driver has a lot of infractions, then your yeah. insurance is going to go up. It's just natural for that to happen. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's a lot of things that factor into your insurance. So a lot of guys get everything taken care of. Then they get to the insurance piece, which is the last and final piece in largest piece of the puzzle and then they get stalled right there because they don't have the capital saved up to pay right. the insurance premium okay 
Now, how, how much? How much does a truck cost? Well, I know you can get one used, but like, what? What am I? What am I looking for to make sure that I get the right equipment to do what I need to do? Because I know there's some box trucks you got the lift gate, you can have yes. it a with or without it, you can have a reefer or a drive van. So, so what have you seen is the best kind of equipment to get? Okay, if you want to stay within the guidelines of just having driver's license, um, you got to stay under twenty six thousand pounds. Okay. So a 26 foot straight truck is less than 26,000 pounds. Okay. But if you add a reefer, now you got to have CDLs. If oh, you add okay. a sleeper on it, then you got to, now you're venturing off into a larger weight of truck. Okay. And that weight of truck will take you over to 26,000 and take you into CDLs. So I try okay. to stay below that. So the great thing about it is, is you only need driver's license, you and your drivers, and you can use a lift gate. The first truck I ever bought didn't have a lift gate. So when I was delivering. That was rough, wasn't it? Yes. Um, you know, you get used to it after a while. Yes, the first couple of weeks, you know, it's a new ball game. You're shocking different muscles in your body that you ain't used right. to. So yeah. you get used to it, though, man, and you become a you become a beast on that truck if you just stick with it, man. <laughs> I, I started some yeah. guys on the truck that couldn't lift a lamp. And yeah. now they're picking up the whole couch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's that's what's up, man. That, hey, so going into the one to see the last one of your last ventures, man. The uh, the actual book that you wrote, the ebook, and I know you're a motivational speaker as well. Um, so how how did that come about, man? I know it's called the answer, correct? Yes, the right. answers. Okay. So so what made you kind of what made you come up with that? Okay. Um, People always ask me about writing a book, but you know, I didn't, I'm not an author, I'm more of a speaker. You know, I can get up and, and you know, talk in front of a crowd of people, but putting it on paper, that's not really my forte. Right. So exactly. the thing that happened after I was home for a couple of years and people were asking me questions, like how did you start these businesses so fast and you only been home two years? You got two businesses going and, and you only been home two years. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put it in a book, and I'm going to call it The Answers. The answers to those questions that were being asked of me. So um, I got referred to a, a, a publisher, and she was already in the book business. And she heard my story, and she heard me speak, and she was like, hey, let's sit down and talk and, and come up with something. So I sat down with her, man, and I, like I said, I was very reluctant because I'm not an author like that. Yeah. But after our first session and we sat down, man, I knew something special can come out of this because right. she was very, very, very sharp. Yeah. She was phenomenal at what she do. And I she, knew she I pulled, said, oh, man. And she was able to pull the stuff out of you that a lot of times we don't realize that, that we have in us. Like far yeah, as like the memories and stuff. Yeah, man. I can I, I can imagine. I can, so what were what were some of those answers, man, that you provided the uh the, the reader? Um, like you like you spoke on earlier, uh, one of my core principles of when I speak to a class, when I speak to college students, when I speak to somebody that's going through adversity and hardship or coming out of prison, one of the main things I talk about is dreaming. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think that six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old kids have big dreams. We can do anything. We can be Superman. We can be Michael Jordan. We can be the greatest at whatever we want to do. We can jump over buildings in a single bound at that age. Right. But by the time we get to junior high school, okay, man, I'm just, I'm just going to be a, uh, I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to be a, a lawyer. Or I'm going to be something else. 
Then by the time we're in high school, oh man, I'm just gonna be a carpenter, or I'm gonna be an electrician, or I'm 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 gonna do landscaping. And then you become a young adult, 18, 19 years old, and you just want a job at Walmart. You right. want a job at the grocery store. So what has happened through society, through family, through your environment, your dreams have been chipped away at. Little by little, little by little, what unconsciously your dreams have been beat down. They have been stripped from you. So the same dreams that you had at seven and eight, you don't have them anymore. Right. So one major thing that you have to do, you, you must get back to dreaming. I think once your dreams are taken, you're not, you're not even living anymore. You're just existing. I totally, I totally agree, man. Totally agree you don't, on that. You, don't, you have nothing left. You're just, you know, just trying to make it from day to day. And once you get your dreams back and you commit yourself to those dreams, your whole life, the whole world opens up for you once exactly. again. And, yep. and, and, and if you don't ever get your dreams back, man, um, uh, we got work to do. Yeah, <laughs> got work no doubt. So, hey, so out, outside of your, your book, The Answers, what, what, what books did you read while you were, while you were incarcerated to kind of help you change your mindset and just allow for you to kind of see things differently? Give me one okay. or two of although, them. Although it was books, it was other things as well, but I'm going to start out with okay. the books. And I'll okay. get into that. Um, the, one of the, 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 the books that I still read to this day and refer to is Think and Grow Rich and Black Choice, Napoleon Hill. That's a good one. Um, a second one is 48 Laws of Power. Uh, 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 okay. Jeff Green, Robert Green, I mean. Um, yeah. And I read T.D. Jakes, Maximi Maximize the Moment. Um, but some very important things in literature that I always um, held dear to my heart while I was in there was the stories of overcoming the odds. Um, whether it was in an Edge yeah. magazine, a Jet magazine, mm -hmm. on TV, on the radio, I always held those stories dear to me because right. I would hear about a story about a person that it was just over. Yep. And they, they rose above all of those odds they escaped the odds. No doubt. And they achieved greatness. And I knew right then, I said, I want my story to be like that. I want, yeah. I, I want, to, I want to be in that category. I want to be spoken yeah. in the same sentence as those people. Yeah, no doubt. Um, someone, someone, I read a lot of books, but I read a lot of, lot of magazines, man. And uh, some of those same magazines you, you were talking about. But uh, Entrepreneur, Inc. Magazine. Yes. No doubt. And... Um, same as with you, like those stories always resonate with me because you know when you when you locked up, you're trying to find some kind of glimmer of hope. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And you you're looking for you comparing yourself with other people. Like when you read these stories, you're like, man, I know if they can do it, I can do it. You know what yes. I mean? So you want to have something to hold on to. But uh, most of all, man, for me, like the characters in the Bible, like really work for me. You know what I mean? Like the Joseph, the Paul, and stuff like that those people that kind of really went through some things, I seen myself in those men and women. You know what I'm saying? So definitely escaping the odds and uh, just like persevering, persevering, man. And so I always ask my, um, the people that I bring onto the show, like what, was, what are some of those books? Because a lot of people may think that a person that's incarcerated, they may not be well read. Uh, but that's, that's, that's totally not true, man. I, I, I definitely read a lot, of, a lot of books, man. So many books, man. It's, I, I can't even remember all of them, right? But um, definitely, definitely a whole lot of magazines though too, though. So definitely. So what's what what's next for you, bro? 
Oh, man, um, right now, I was just informed by a business coach of mine. He said no more businesses within the next 30 days. So, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, man, what I got going on now, man, I just want to keep building on it. I got the beard oil. Um, it's been phenomenal. It's been a, it's been a great uh, business venture. I've been growing yeah. beard for about five, six, seven years now, man. So okay. uh, this is like my trademark. I got you, man. Hey, unfortunately, man, you know, I, I can't grow a beard, man. I'm, I'm, I'm damn near 40, man. I, can, I, yeah. I just can't get it. You know what I mean? I just can't get it, man. You know what I mean? But it's 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 all good, though, man. Uh, So so let everybody know, man, where they can purchase the beard oil, man, where they can get the book, Uh, any kind of motiva motivational speaking uh, that you that you open to do. Um, Everything, man. Let's let, let us know what's going on, where you can be reached at. Okay, uh, first of all, the beer oil, man, it's, it has my cosmetology knowledge into it, man. It has the oils that I know doing my cosmetology um, knowledge in classes and, and, and what I do in the shop. It has right. the oils necessary to not only take care of your beard, but your skin, and it smells awesome. So go on edhennings.com, and you'll see my beard oil in the store, and you'll also see the speaking and the coaching engagements that I've been involved in and that I also offer as well. So edhennings.com is where you can find me at. Um, on Instagram, it's edhennings1. And Facebook, is edhennings. So, you know, that edhennings.com is where the beard oil, the book, and my speaking endeavors will be found. Okay, perfect, man. All right. Um, Escaping the Odds podcast can be found on uh, Stitcher, uh, Apple, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor.fm. Um, I got the YouTube channel. Uh, just dropped that maybe three weeks ago. So that's Escaping the Odds on YouTube. Check that out. You'll be able to see this video and um, 26 other more episodes that I that I um, recorded and produced. Um, also, I got EscapingTheOdds.com. Just dropped that uh, probably a week ago. And again, you can you can view all the the videos, man, and just get up to date news on Escaping the Odds. What we're doing as a media company. And um, yeah, man. So we 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 definitely leveling up. Just continue to bring stories out here, man. Just to um, just let the world know, you know, that um, just change the narrative what people think someone who's formerly incarcerated looks like and the things they can achieve. And so um, definitely thank everybody for tuning in. Continue to support uh, Ed and I on our endeavors, and uh, as we switch hustles, man, and unlock freedom. So thank y'all for tuning in, and y'all take care. Salute. Okay, peace, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. All right. All right.